creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, July 9th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello. Hello. From Gatorland, Florida, Eddie Big Cat Koffeltz. Yes. Go USA Soccer. And all the way that. in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. The boys are back in town. Annie is on summer vacay. It was her birthday on Sunday. And so I think we're in the afterglow portion of her birthday week. She makes it essentially a state holiday in the state of Tennessee. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. She has like a best of episode on her podcast. It's like a whole it's like a whole thing. Yeah. There's a big parade it's in Nashville today. She's not going to be here for it, but they've closed off all the, they've blocked off all the streets. Police are out in full force. It's a bit, it's a national, it, it's a big deal here. Yeah. And I, I just want to say personally, I think that there are very few better ways to honor the amazing U.S. soccer win this past weekend than four to five dudes sitting around talking about it. So <laughs> we should really get into that. Yeah. It was a, it was a big weekend for, for America. Uh, Sunday was a big, uh, a very patriotic day. It seemed like on Twitter, everybody's yeah. excited about the game. I think everybody on who listens to this podcast regularly knows that I'm a big sports head, as they say. I'm mm-hmm. always, into, I'm always, I like all the sports. Sportsman, yeah. I'm a sportsman. I'm, I'm, I'm a like if 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 you've got a ball, I'm interested. I want to watch that. I love, all all <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about. It. I just get hyped on the on all the ball games. Um, but but even for somebody like me. This felt like a pretty exciting. This felt like a really big deal. I had a lot of fun with it. I was out in full U.S. regalia at my local sport ball uh, drinking establishment, <laughs> and I had a real blast uh, cheering for cheering for the team U.S. What an incredible! I mean, that was an amazing. Even if, like Jesse, I know you have feelings about soccer, and I, I, we, yeah, you it, know what, save it's it. Just an but, inferior sport to every other sport. That's all. That, that, that's this, my only feeling. Continue though. And this is absolutely the wrong time for that. Um, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even if you're not a huge soccer head, like this was like I am. like objection. Like this was a great game, and what an amazing team, and what a moment. Like. Just, mm-hmm. I feel like there was just, it was unifying. The country was just, I mean, except for the executive branch, but mostly the whole country the was pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, speaking of unify, I really appreciated all the, like everybody celebrated in their own way. Obviously we all have, we all had our ways of, of bringing, of, of celebrating what the, what the women did. But I saw something that I really, I wanted to bring to y'all's attention here. Okay. Um, this is a little bit of a, a visual, a, a, a visual slice. I apologize for that, but no. I'm sending a text and uh, I'll be interested for you. To, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on it. This was a image that was tweeted by Bleacher Report. Uh, they they put together this picture to commemorate the what the women did, the accomplishment of, of Team US. And it was up for about like a shining, like a shooting star. It was up for about 20 minutes before they deleted it. Fortunately, I saved the screenshot before it was taken down. And I will cherish this 
forever because it is the did you guys get it yeah yes. yeah did, did i saw guys it have first it? describe on, describe what you're seeing it is a painting i mean it's like <laughs> yeah. a watercolor painting of of uh, a lot of people yes. Uh, yes. they are there it looks to be about 50 people or so okay. uh, they are grouped in the colors and shape of the american flag That's again right, a very huh? painting style in the front the forefront of it is team usa the women's national team. That's right. Uh, soccer, the champions. Makes and sense. then there's about 40 iconic <laughs> Americans. I don't know. Behind <laughs> them. But not even all of them are <laughs> not Americans. All of them. As many people have pointed out, for some reason. Okay, here's the other thing. There are iconic people, but they're not like activists. These are not, uh, you know, there's a couple uh, fellow athletes to Team USA, but many of them are random just actors and performers. Just a few several names. Of them, Let's just throw out a few names. Several well, in character. I'll, I'll start with this. The entire cast of Modern Family, including the show's creator. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <Is in> a, <laughs> on the sports side, there's LeBron and Kobe. And then right in the middle, there's Kendrick Lamar. There's uh, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Ellen DeGeneres, Brad Pitt. Effort, the entire cast Oprah, of Friends. The entire and, cast of Friends. But and, <laughs> unexplicably, inexplicably, uh, Iron Man. Captain America. So well, Captain America's it's not, it's not Robert Man. Downey Jr. No, no, it's, no, no, no. it's the yeah. only character in the whole thing is just Iron Man. Whereas Robert Downey Jr. would have been, I mean, you know, well, I no, guess Brie Larson Cap- is Captain Marvel. Yeah, well, Brie, Captain but they also, some of them are like, that is clearly Tom Cruise in Top Gun, not 100%. <laughs> Tom Cruise, the actor. It's clearly Michael Scott. Yeah, yeah. that's not yeah. Steve Carell. Uh, yeah. Obviously Michael Scott, but then some of them, like Brad Pitt is just Brad Pitt. Yeah, they they didn't bother putting him in character. Same with Jennifer Lawrence. It's just Jennifer Lawrence looking at us. I don't know what the rhyme or reason was to determine who got to be in character and who ja was just Rule. their celebrity selves. But what's and, interesting too is like I I mean I'm I'm gathering that these are people who have defined or made America proud. Maybe you know I think like so. on the world stage. But if you look to the right on the second row, there's a number of faces i don't even recognize there's a mustachioed gentleman um who are those people i see the, the kim kardashian gentleman. which one are you talking about i don't know oh, so i see i see behind kim kardashian there's two people from modern family but to the left of them there's a run oh, yeah. of like four or five people that i don't know who it is yeah I'm I, to see. I really don't you know, know. i'm who, trying who, to figure who, out who it is between jay-z and kendrick lamar who, who, okay, I want to know who's top right huh. in that pork pie hat because, yeah. like the Heisenberg hat. Because at first glance, I'm like, how did photographer Jeremy Cowart end up end up in this American flag picture? Maybe it because is Jeremy Cowart because yeah. he's known for those for like like I said for lack of a better term the Heisenberg. Everyone knows the hat I'm talking about here. It's black. Uh-huh. It's a small like fedora like hat. And is that Jeremy Cowart next to Angelina Jolie? <laughs> Why are these people chosen? And like who commissioned this at Bleacher Report? Like, obviously, this took some time. This wasn't it doesn't appear to be slapped together. It's not a bad painting. It's not a bad painting, but it also is a terrible painting. It's it's one of the craziest Internet things I've ever seen in my life, which is maybe what makes it so American. I also want to note that at a glance, Matthew Perry gives off some strong Michael W. Smith energy with the stare that he's given. (laughs) He's glinted a little bit. I'm I'm okay. Here's my theory. My theory is this flag painting of the iconic American figures, celebrities, existed. It previously existed by this artist. And then when 
Team USA made uh, the country so proud, he updated it to put them front and center that they are on the level of the kind of Mount Rushmore, cultural Mount Rushmore of importance to our country as as much as Beyonce and Eleanor. I think he was trying to I think they're trying to make a commentary of how important Team USA was, but I don't think it's landing. Is my point. It reminds me of a tweet that we were tagged in over the weekend where uh, someone said that their their spouse was a realtor and they were showing a home. And in this, you know, in the picture, the, like they 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 ran across this in one of the rooms of this home that that the that this realtor is showing. And it's a very large painting in a very nice frame. It does. There's nothing about it that seems ironic until you look at the picture. And it is a large like monkey, like an ape. And he's cradling a tiny Nicolas Cage. And it's yeah. hanging <laughs> in this home. Okay? A like, home that's on the market. They tell you to depersonalize yeah, exactly. your home when you yeah. put it on the market. But they, they and they did. They they took away the family photos, the knickknacks, the tchotchkes. They did they minimized, but they had to leave the large monkey holding the Nicolas Cage painting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just a real selling point. I I'm I'm you can only assume that it comes with the house, you know, or at least that can be negotiated as part of the part of the deal. Because if, if you see a house and that's hanging there, it's just best not to ask questions, just assume this has to stay. Legally, if I buy this house, I can never take this point painting down. Well, congratulations, US women's soccer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> made us all proud. We uh, have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, author and financial expert Rachel Cruz joins us. She's uh, the daughter of Dave Ramsey. You probably know her. She was on Good Morning America yesterday morning and uh, is continuing to make the media rounds, you know, ascending in, in uh, importance by coming on the podcast today. So Rachel Cruz is joining us. I like to think that Good Morning America is our opening act. You know, like they kind of go out, get the crowd warmed up, and then she takes the stage on the on you know the premiere platform, yeah, which is the Relevant Podcast. It's a part of our continued celebration of our hundredth issue of Relevant. Rachel is part of the Life Roundtable, where we look back at kind of the big things that have changed and kind of intentional living over the last. 15, 16 years um, and kind of where things are and where things are going for this generation. Obviously, she brings more of the kind of financial uh, career kind of stuff. That's what we talked to her about coming up later. I want to I mention one more thing from the weekend and get you guys' thoughts uh, real quick um, because I, I do want to, uh, you know, I know we got a, a lot to get to today. But um, when's the last time any of you guys have used the slip and slide? Cameron, I think I've seen one in your backyard relatively recently. Literally Saturday. Uh, we, okay. we, we have a hill that goes down from the pool to the lake, like this long hill. And I got this 50 foot piece of plastic and we run it from the pool deck all the way down to the lake and soap it up and put, you know, sprinkler on it. And then we have these like little, um, uh, uh kind of blow up kind of, you know, things and you just run and slide and shoot out into the lake. It's so can, fun. Can, let me ask you a question, Cameron. Did, how did you participate in the sliding? Yeah, of course. Okay, I have not done a slip and slide in in probably twenty years at least, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I was at a get together, and one was you know you know someone put up the slip and slide. Yeah, Cameron, when you run and slide, are you just going bare body to piece of plastic, or are you using some sort of like you know boogie board or something Bo- both to, as like we, a sled? We have we have inflatable kind of sled boogie board things with two mm-hmm. handles on them that you can run yeah. and jump like on your stomach onto. Yeah. But if mm-hmm. you're going to go bare, you got to, you can slide and just kind of slide down in a sitting position and you're fine. Yeah. You know? Okay. Because 
I, you know, I was very intimidated by the product because I remember as a kid, like slip and slides all fun until you slide over that rock or you slide a little bit too far. And all of a sudden you go from sliding over a a, a wet piece of plastic to wet grass to a dry concrete driveway. You know, like I've seen a lot of things go wrong with slip and slides. And that's all running through my head when I'm about to attempt this as an adult because everyone else seems to be having fun and having no problem. And here's the thing, guys, you guys know me. I fashion myself as someone who has, you know, very above average natural athletic coordination. I mean, you guys, you know, this is apparent to anyone who meets me almost instantly. Yeah, almost. Yeah, a lot of people, most people are physically intimidated, uh, which is understandable. So I, I, you know, I'm trying to get out of my own head. I'm like, you know, this is going to be fine. Running full speed and slamming my body into the ground. How could it possibly go wrong? So I have that little inflatable sled thing, right? Uh, uh, It's basically like Cameron, what was he, what he was talking about. It's two little handles on it. It's a, it's like a, you know, like a sled that you pump air in, but this one had, had a leak in it and was slightly deflated. So I get up and I'm running full speed with the sled in two hands in front of me. And I go to dive down in something. I can only imagine that this was, you know, just if I if you repeated this a million times, there would only be one time it would go disastrously, disastrously wrong. Every time, <laughs> not only would I do the slide with incredible speed, I'd probably also threw a couple barrel rolls or tricks on the way down the hill. But unfortunately, as I was running to jump, I stepped on the back of the sled, which caused it was like running full speed and jumping with your shoelaces, except in that scenario, you can at least catch yourself in your with your hands. In this case, my hands are tightly holding on to the handles of the sled. And it is like I get tackled by an invisible linebacker and it is straight hip to ground full. It's like running full speed and just slamming your body onto the ground. Cameron, I'm terrified of these things now. It was a horrific injury. It looks like it looks like if you guys saw my hip right now, it looks like someone hit me with a golf ball right on the hip bone. It was awful. The problem with adult slip and sliding is in my mind, I still have the same physics that I did when I was 11. So I could take my little 11 year old body, run full speed, fly onto the ground and go for a little while. But now, you know, within the last probably six months, I've done that same thing. The physics change pretty substantially when this man runs full speed, falls onto his stomach and goes full <laughs> speed because I'm going a lot faster and the stakes are much, high, much, much higher and much oh, more yeah. painful. The, the, the stakes are like I could tear ACL here, you know, Oh, 100 percent. And I'm landing on my stomach like there's a lot of weight coming down pretty condensed onto my stomach and chest. And I'm like, well, now I can't breathe. And I'm going what feels to be 100 miles an hour to the end of this. These slip and slip inside need to be 100 feet or i'm never i'm just going to slide <laughs> off the end well like the literal the literally the only thing like that is between me and my bare body in the ground running full speed is a thin sheet of plastic and water that's yeah. it I, I karen i'm surprised that this yeah. is something that you're comfortable doing because it's this, so fun you got it's all about angles you can't slam yourself down you got to like almost like lower your center your gravity as you're going and then you just kind of gradually finish you know, going all the way. Sli- you're just like sliding. You don't like run and then plop yourself. You're going like to hurt Simone Biles here. I can't be expected to do some <laughs> sort of like crazy gymnastics. What you're lowering myself mid run to like that. Yeah, like, no, you got to get uh, whatever you guys. Come on. The, the fun <laughs> thing is when you have a bunch of children and they've they've sure. all just done it. And they're gathered at the bottom of the hill at the like end of the 50 tents. foot slip and slide. And they don't know you're coming next. Because none of the other parents have done it. 
And so I fling my body at 30 miles an hour to all the nine and 11 year olds and they fly into the lake like bowling pins. It was great. That does sound fun. If I wasn't horrifically injured in my first and only attempt, then maybe I would try something cool like that. But I'm never doing one again. It was terrible. It was just awful. The look, the look of sheer terror on the children's faces as they see my <laughs> figure flying at them at full speed was was uh, worth that the price of admission. Edition. Yeah, it was fun. The the yeah. other problem with it is at this age and size is that the amount of water I needed when I was a kid was just like oh yeah we get it a little bit wet and we're we're flying <laughs> now if it's just a little bit wet I am hitting that thing full speed at a full stop because my body is just like <laughs> and it's like I need I need a, a good amount of lubrication to keep the friction between my body and that plastic sheet going here's a, here's a little pro tip here's a little if pro not tip. it just crinkles into a big mass and I'm just laying there with the kids laughing at me but see I I didn't go. I didn't go official slip and slide because those are going to be like 10 feet long. And like you said, they're built for very small bodies. I went and I went on Amazon and found a 50 foot by 20 foot piece of plastic, like silicone, you know, the same, same material, mm-hmm. but it wasn't branded. Right. And then I just get my own sprinkler and stuff like that. You know, like the little, you know, $2 sprinklers and it was way cheaper than some fancy brand and way bigger. And so it's like, you can do a lot more damage. Eddie, little pro tip for you. Next time you do this, the kids, you're right. They don't need any extra lubrication. The, the plastic in the water is enough. For you, get a little dish soap, put it on your stomach. Like just your whole yourself body. up. Oh, there you go. You've asked, there you, you just go. pour it on yourself and then you go mm-hmm. and you're shoot, you shoot That's up right. there. Yeah. I am the slip and slide. A little you graphite <laughs> powder, a little Vaseline, a little bit of, and I'm, I'm out of here. This is something that youth pastor would do to like get the kids really worked up. Like, oh, he's putting dish soap on his belly. <laughs> yeah. Watch out, kids. Listen, yeah, if you cool. oil yourself up enough, if you oil your body up enough, anywhere is a slip and slide. Like, oh, yeah. like, just like the mall. The mall. Like if you walked in there, just yeah. just all Wet greased up. Lubed. Yeah. Just yeah. greased up in a bathing suit and you just start running and just yeah. slide. You're fine. Everywhere is yeah. a slip and slide now. And there's just a greasy yeah. body stain running into yeah. Spencer gifts. And it's like, oh, right. how do I end up in here? This feels shady. I better get out. And then you run and you just slide away and go get yourself an Auntie ends. Like, like anywhere is a slip and slide with enough oil and lubricant. It's That's like right. the sled on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Exactly I'm just a right. flash of lightning just going to Wally just, World. Just a flash of flesh shooting through the mall, <laughs> screaming, help, help, help. <laughs> All right, moving the show along. Stay tuned up next. Slices. Listening to Flume, the song is Let You Know, featuring London Grammar. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Taylor Swift with You Need to Calm Down, which is what the children told me as I was yelling at them as I was about to hit them on the slip and slide. Well, today's show is brought to you by Quip. It's a wireless electric toothbrush. It's lightweight and compact. It's perfect to take with you on your summer vacations and also at the house. 
the timed sonic vibrations and the quip toothbrush give you a meditative break from all that jam-packed summer vacation. It's like a little two-minute vacation twice a day. It's like, Cameron, it's like getting away for a teeth massage in the hardest part of the day. That's right. right. Guys, guys, I'm stepping away. I'm a little stressed out. It's like magazine, uh, deadline. I need need a tooth massage. Two minutes. Hey, why spend all the money on a summer vacation when you can just do a staycation with a fresh and simple health routine? Three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective on our toothbrush. That's why uh, Quip brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks and quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the american dental association they're backed by over twenty-five thousand dental professionals and have thousands of verified five-star reviews online that's why i love quip i use it every day and it's probably the best looking toothbrush you'll ever come across quip starts at just 25 bucks and if you go to getquip.com relevant right now you get your first refill pack for free with a quip electric toothbrush that's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash relevant. And let me Our, just say on, yeah. on Quip's behalf, and, and you know, they didn't ask me to give this ringing endorsement. Both I love my Quip toothbrush, but also that American Dental Association endorsement. Yeah. Jesse has sent them dozens of ideas to get their endorsement, and yeah. every single one of them has hit a resounding thud. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, that's that's a quality endorsement. It's a high bar. If, you get, the, if, high if bar. you get them on board, then you're you're legit. Trust me on that. Yeah. yeah. All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? <laughs> All right, well, this uh, I, I guess what I got to do for a deal with it, everyone. They're both very interesting. One <laughs> is about how to get your license to become a mall massage masseuse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would, I'm always curious about that, though. The people that, that are actually giving the mall massages, you know, yeah. like that, like you, you sit back behind that chair that's right mm-hmm. by the escalator and you just kind of lay in it and your face is down because it's such a shameful, weird thing to do. Like only serial killers get ma- massaged at the mall just in front of everyone. Yeah. If you went to massage school and are a licensed masseuse, why are you go? Why you be in the mall one? Like, don't, don't you want to work at like a salon or somewhere? Isn't it weird to just show up? right outside the food court every day and just rub people right there. I'm just saying, uh, I, I don't know. Are they giving out those chicken samples in the food court? Because that just to me seems like a great job. Bert. It, like our mom, masseuses, even um, what are they called? Masseuse. What's the plural of masseuse? I, I think we should go with masseuses, even though I masseuse believe it's probably- If masseur? you're a mom, masseuse, masseurs, yeah, <laughs> like if you're pursuing it, why, why, why the mall? You know, are they even licensed? I just have so many questions about it. And I don't know why I brought it up, but I feel like I it just needed to be addressed. I feel this like it's not been the slice. I feel like it's been the meatball that's just been hanging out there that we've all been thinking about every week and no one's talking about it. Well, You're finally talking about the it. elephant is out, you know, is, you know, free to leave the room. I guess. <laughs> we'll revisit it. We'll revisit yeah. it. Yeah. OK. Come back. All right. So I want to give an update. You guys may remember, I think this has been a couple of years ago. But we talked about a device called the Mosquito. And what this does is it submits this like very high frequency sound that is meant to only be audible to people between the age of 13 to 25 years old. Apparently, that's the window where your hearing is developed enough to hear this frequency, but you haven't experienced sort of the gradual hearing loss that everyone does, uh, you know, later in life. Now, uh, the mosquito is back in the news because in Philadelphia, 
Uh, people have installed, the, the officials have dis- installed uh, over 40 of these devices in, in the city's parks, near playgrounds and recreation centers. And they turn them on from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. every night. Now, the other places that were utilizing them a couple of years ago were like uh, convenience stores and stuff. They didn't want people loitering, which I didn't know loitering outside a convenience store was something people still did. I felt, I felt like that was... I only feel like people loitered outside of convenience stores in the days where, you know, disputes were settled by dance offs. You know, like it seems like a very weird uh, West Side Story thing to do just to loiter, you know. But uh, so these are installed all over the city (laughs) and it's gotten pretty mixed reviews from people in the city. Obviously, young people don't like it. They're talking to, you know, they uh, NPR interviewed people in Philadelphia that are in their late 20s that are actually having to take new routes to work because they walk to work very early. You know, some of these people walk to work very early in the morning and they can't walk by the local park because this thing is going off. And these people, you know, are in their late 20s. They're 27, 28 years old. And they said that it's not even like a, a sound that you hear. It's like you're getting inflicted with like a headache at the moment. Uh, this is so controversial that in the, the Council of Europe, which is a human rights organization, uh, determined that they are a violation of international law. And they said that they are inhuman, inhuman and degrading treatment. They are neither politically acceptable nor consistent with the safeguard of fundamental human rights. And they determine that they are discriminatory towards people who are young. What do you guys think about the mosquito devices being installed in Philadelphia? I don't think I have. <laughs> No, I'm I'm marinated. Yeah, it's it's a weird idea. Like, like I get like you don't want people hanging out at a park at night. And Cameron used to live across the street from a park, and you saw the Mm. the havoc that can be reached by teenagers out there just doing what teenagers do in a public park. But I don't think like a sonic device is any sort of you know that, that seems like a pretty drastic measure to take. Like it doesn't seem like it should be legal. There was a story like this a couple of years ago about like 7-Eleven doing it. Yeah, so that yeah. like, right, of course. And that for some reason that seemed okay because it's, and so I guess for me, the line is private versus public property, right? It feels like there shouldn't be any deterrent to any kind of person hanging out at a park unless there's really clear posted rules, I guess. Yeah, but it's just a weird method to oh, yeah. try to yeah. try to annoy people because you can't like control necessarily the proximity. Like you're just shooting this sound out in the air to keep people away. It just seems, you know, like something counter to what cities should be doing. It, it, the cities have done. I don't, don't take this the wrong way, Jesse. This says something about the proximity of the city that you are exposed to. The yeah. bad parts of town have really annoying fluorescent lights. Hmm. to you know in the shady areas you know so it's like like the city cities have done this for a while if 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 people are gathering in places that the city doesn't want the cities use light sound different things they've remodeled a sketchy part of you know uh, yeah you know they cities have been doing this you know for a long time i mean so i i don't think it's unusual Uh, yeah but i guess it seems like there's a difference between like you know, installing bright lights somewhere in yes. a dark area or like constructing uh, things that will discourage people from like, you know, falling asleep on a park bench. Like I can understand those, but this seems like, 
you know, you're in, intentionally trying to inflict pain onto people. It just seems like like an in, like a weird distinction of just like using design to make a, a space more public and you know less opportune to to do things that aren't approved to just saying we're just going to give people headaches that happen to be walking by. And it seems like a it seems like it's very easy to see that this could be utilized. I mean, it's one thing maybe to like annoy kids hanging out at a public park, out of, but I could, it's very easy to see this being utilized against like homeless people who don't have a place to sleep, who yeah. who just want to sleep. And that, and I feel like that's where it it feels like it does cross a line uh, to like kind of insulting human dignity in a way that that is. Uh, that I, I mean, it could be used worry in a worrying way. Yeah. Every major city does that too, though. I mean, they literally they'll have yeah. districts of the city where sitting down on the ground is against the law, or obviously panhandling is against the law, and like thing you know, like loitering is against the law, and they they do try to push homelessness into certain zones. And I mean, cities have been doing this forever. I, it's just another I, I, tactic. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I just don't think they should. Yeah, okay. this. They're also the tactic. Tactic of this seems. I mean, it's almost not a debate of like should they or should they not be trying to control different populations. It's like this particular tactic just seems like especially mean and just kind of sneaky. I don't. That's yeah, the problem it, with me. It, and it just like I feel like it's like scary that there's a device out there yeah. that can cause you to like get a headache just by being in a certain location. You know. Mm. Um, that being said, Jesse, what would you pay to be able to have one of these devices on hand to use whenever you oh, feel like? Just like like a car siren. Like I can right. just go and it just blasts and I just watch, you know, crowds of teenagers disperse or I like chase around a bunch <laughs> of punk skateboarders in my car. Right. That would be really fun. Now, if I could own, yeah, if I could own a loud mosquito device, I would absolutely take one because it 100%. sounds hilarious. Um, okay. Uh, uh, I, I want to do one more uh, quick story. I felt like this one was pretty interesting, uh, especially for our audiences. Just around the table, real quick how many of you guys ever consult your pastor about any sort of life advice uh, just around the table eddie do you ever consult a, a member of the uh, uh, someone in professional ministry uh, about life advice uh no no i don't <laughs> tyler <laughs> tyler i do yes i do i think one time i did yeah. one once yeah maybe okay <laughs> one time eddie did once. Okay. <laughs> I was lost looking for direction. There's happened to be a priest standing right there. He yeah. knew exactly where to go. Very friendly guy. Uh, Cameron, do you ever consult uh, uh, your pastor about, you know, advice for things in your life? Advice? No, that to me, that's more of the counseling role. I, I But, you know, to go get coffee, catch up, talk about life. Yeah. yeah. But I don't sit there and go, now that I have you, I have these questions for you. I, I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Tyler, that's something that that you occasionally will do. I have I have texted mine and, and several times. Yeah, that was like I don't know what to do here. What do you what would you do in this situation? Yeah. What do you think I yeah. should do? Yes. Well, uh, it, it's interesting because uh, that actually bears out in a new poll from the Associated Press that found that three quarters of Americans uh, either rarely or never consult a member of the clergy. Uh, about things going on in their life. Uh, only a quarter do so at least some of the time. What's interesting is that even among Americans who say that they attend a religious service, 
uh, once or twice a month, or, or at least twice a month, excuse me, uh, which is about a third of Americans. So only a third are actually attending religious services to have you know some sort of even interaction with people in, in ministry. Only half of those say they ever really consult a minister about something going on in their life. Um, but they did find that people who uh, do consult uh, clergy members, there's one topic. There are two actual things that... Uh, uh, most often come up. Like there are two things that if you're going to consult someone in ministry about statistically, it's about one of two things. Any guesses to what those are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like relationship, relationship advice. advice. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. That's number two. The first is about opportunities to like volunteer or, you know, oh, advice right? about oh, g- yeah. giving, giving well, your time or money. Like people want to know, like, I want to Yeah. Oh, really? That's all that. I mean, that was, uh, nobody came in. To talk with me when I was in this role, except for getting more involved in the church, which was great. And yeah. relationship is falling apart or we're thinking about getting married. Any advice? It was always I mean, that is the that was the go to, which was yeah. a privilege to be a part of. But that was there wasn't a lot of other stuff. It wasn't a lot of like small engine repair or stuff, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So this would bear out in your ministry experience. hundred percent. I was so grateful of the counseling background that for that exact reason, because that was the whole deal. That and that's what's interesting because you have a counseling background, but that's I wonder like how many people in ministry even that's something that's like a major part of their training. Like a lot of them, a lot of pastors have a lot of like theological knowledge and insight, but may not, you know, have the same like I don't I didn't go to seminary, but like do is something are topics dealing with marriage and relationships, even something that seminaries have a big emphasis on because that seems like, you know, this study seems to show they probably should, because that's one yeah. of the main things that I, congregants are going to want to ask you about. Point. I mean, tra- traditionally it's just a theological deep dive, which isn't bad, but you know, you can take counseling classes or marriage and family therapy as an elective. But at that point, when you're in seminary, you probably don't have a full understanding of what it's going to be like. And so you I mean, it really is just fully a theological degree. And then you end up having to learn the marriage and family and relationship stuff by like reading a bunch of John Gottman books real quick when you, you know, first get into your role. Interesting. All right. What do you have, Tyler? All right. So this is a. Uh, it comes to us from the world of publishing. I hope that doesn't get everybody to turn it off, but I did think it's an interesting story uh, about some of the ways that Amazon is changing the publishing industry uh, and, and how they are, are they are and are not uh, meeting some of the challenges of the new business model that they've that they've pioneered and the way that they've turned the industry upside down. Uh, so this story involves uh, somebody who's been in the been in the magazine a couple of times, Tish Harrison Warren. Uh, she's an author, an Anglican, who her Liturgy of the Ordinary was published in 2016. A very, very popular, very well-reviewed book. And uh, But now it turns out that over the last year, it has been the victim, this book, uh, been the victim of a huge counterfeiting operation uh, that utilized Amazon to sell over, over the last over the last year, according to InterVarsity, the publisher, 23,000 illegitimate copies over the last year, or about $240,000 worth, which is about half of the money of all of uh, that's being sold. Yeah. Uh, this this kind of off, this a different brand, uh, uh, this, this uh, counterfeiting operation just uh, 
cop, like photocopied her book, photocopied the cover, uh, slapped it all together, sold it at a discounted price, uh, undercut the the university actual price, and actually became the number one search result when you Googled her book. What? Uh, that's the one that would pop up on Amazon as the primary buy instead of uh, the actual what? one. What? And uh, the publisher, yeah, neither the publisher nor uh, Harrison herself saw that money. Um, and she's part of a, a larger scheme. She was not the only book that was targeted by it, but she was one of the larger ones and, and also one of the uh, one that obviously falls within our purview here at Relevant because we've talked with her a number of times. So it's a, it's a really huge loss. And a New York Times investigation found that Amazon isn't really trying that hard to do anything about it. Obviously, there's such a huge operation at this point that they don't actually vet all these publishers that come through. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, it was also found that the number one, it, for anybody who uh, was, look, was looking at main comp, the actual public, the actual book is one that had a back of the book copy and a forward written by a sympathizer, a Nazi sympathizer. Really? So they were buying, uh, yeah. So they were buying an actual main comp from somebody who was sympathetic to white nationalism and, uh, and antisemitism. Uh, but in this case, it's, it is the actual book. They are getting her actual book, but they're not getting the book that she published. So it's a, it's an interesting issue. Amazon can kind of wipe their hands of the whole thing. They, they say on their website that they don't allow knockoffs, but obviously when you're their size, there's not a whole lot they can do. They're, they're not going to take the time to investigate every single book or product that comes through to make sure that the money's going to who it should be going to. Yeah. It, it, it I was going to say this, you know, this is like a big, weird problem with Amazon. I listened, there was an episode of the the technology show Reply All a while ago where, the, where it looked at just how sophisticated counterfeiters are getting on Amazon, where it's really, really hard to determine if you're buying an authentic product or a counterfeit in a lot of cases, because as soon as like Amazon will shut them down, they would just start up a new account. And they actually have people working all the time that are setting, you know, using IP maskers and things like that to write a bunch of fake reviews and it gets really difficult to see if your buying is legit it's crazy to see it happen with a you know with a, a somewhat niche book about liturgy you know uh, you know really kind of bringing this to the attention to, to people's attention but that is like a risk of using amazon sometimes it's like how yeah. i can't touch it i can't feel it i'm supposed to know it's real i'm surprised you know? that i'm surprised that the bootleg industry you know, that's so ubiquitous and like handbags and, you know, you know, high end luxury goods on the streets in New York or markets in China or wherever. I mean, you can get them in physical locations. I'm surprised that those haven't come online the way you're describing, you know, it has for these publishers. Um, I, I wonder if that's going to be kind of a next wave of consumer products, like not knowing what's real and what's fake, you know? Yeah. Cause it's possible that they have, like, I guess, for all I know, when I find a, a good deal on a, a, but I don't buy a whole lot of designer bags yet, but I, maybe I'll get into that someday. And I don't know if I'm going to be buying a, a Louis Vuitton bag or just a, a very cheap, very realistic, even if it's just a little bit, like if it slightly undercuts the price of the actual thing, um, then it'd be easy to fool any consumer and they just think they're getting a good deal, not right. that they're getting a counterfeit. Yeah. And it's e- easier to do that over Amazon. I mean, yeah. you gotten a few things though from Amazon and you're like Amazon Prime Life where you're like, Huh. This is just 
this is exactly <laughs> what I off. ordered, Something's but it just off. feels less constructed or something. But I'm not going to lie. Is, this slip what? and slide feels very dangerous, and it's like it's going to tear instantly when I slide my adult body on it. Sure enough, I am scabbed from head to toe. So thanks, Amazon. <laughs> no, I'm rolling through the grass. <laughs> yeah, next thing you know. Now, to be fair to the counterfeiter, I shouldn't have put it that close to a gravel pit. But, you know, <laughs> lessons learned. Right. No, but, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's why, why you don't order from Doug Slip and Slide. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dot UZ. Yeah. <laughs> Uzbekistan is killing it in the Slip and Slide game, guys. Now, they're, they smell weird. I'll say that. I got a headache when I open the box. It's very plasticky smelling. No, but the, it's interesting because you've seen like these hybrid, um, sites pop up in, like in the streetwear industry, they have, there's a, a website, StockX, where, you know, it's sort of like an intermediary where if you want to buy limited edition, you know, shoes or, you know, a shirt or or, or something like that, that, um, you know, is branded with Supreme or Fear of God or, you know, any any of these brands. And you want to make sure it's not a counterfeit. If you buy through this website, the seller actually has to send it to StockX first, who verifies its authenticity yeah. before it can be sold. I just wonder how long before that becomes more of a thing for a lot of other products not just like you know designer gear you know yeah because the way InterVarsity even found out about this in the first place they weren't aware until a customer called to complain about the condition of the brand new book they'd gotten uh they said obviously you can send it back in we'll replace it but when they got it they realized this wasn't a book that we published at <laughs> yeah, all like, which led to the like the a bigger investigation into all of that and then sir we haven't sold mind comp for 15 years <laughs> yeah, it's weird because the last few chapters appear to be photocopied instruction manuals for slip and slide installation from a site called Doug Slip and Slide. Any any ideas why she included that in the liturgy book? Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy when you're to these bootleg companies. You, you get the pages just a little bit confused and before you know it. Tish Warren, Tish Warren Harrison's new book is all slip and slide. <laughs> all right. So, what do you have, Eddie? Well, I just would like to invite everyone to subscribe to my new magazine, Relevance. It's uh, <laughs> a lot like the relevant you like. We're on our hundredth anniversary. Um, so very quick slice today, and this is just one of those stories that I love. But Ashley Barty, who uh, is now out of Wimbledon, but did pretty well in the women's uh, singles uh, portion of Wimbledon, and of course, you know, just to get there, she's one of the best in the world. She has been doing a lot of press, so you know, after every single, they do, you know, they do press all throughout it, and there's just a constant press junket. And uh, they caught on to something that she's been doing. She was asked uh, at a press conference on July 2nd. Uh, she was asked like kind of how she thought about coming to uh, to Wimbledon and how how it felt to be in this grand stage. And she said, I kind of just came into it thinking, you know, Hakuna Matata, just relax and go for it. And, you know, they they kind of they kind of smiled and thought, well, that's a nice, charming little answer. So then a couple of days later, Ashley comes into the press conference. She finishes and she had, was asked about her success over the past year and what it had been like to just, uh, you know, make it this far. And she said, uh, you know, and she said in response to what the success felt like, she said, you know, I chat with my niece and over and over again, she tells me that you can always just go to infinity and beyond. At which point, reporters started to wonder if Ashley may have some sort of... Jesse, you were going to say something? No, no. I'm just, I'm just amused. Continue. Yes, yes. And then so, uh, so the press is starting to wonder if there's a pattern, but she's not letting on. And so finally, uh, she was asked about her... Um, she was in 
uh, she was asked about a specific choice of shot that she made within within the uh, within the match. And she replied, you know, sometimes I look at a shot and I play the shot and I think the seaweed is always greener on someone else's lake. I try and think of how uh, how else I can win the point. Of course, she was quoting. Does anybody know what she's quoting? Uh, is that Little Mermaid? Yes, it's under the sea. So it turns out they went back into her, her interviews and for a good amount of her press, she quotes Disney movies within every single interview real subtly, doesn't wink, doesn't smile and is just super cool uh, about it. And so I guess my question is one, how awesome is Ashley? And two, if you were in a press conference, what would you subtly throw into each little press conference that would eventually, uh, you know, trace people to your motives? Yeah, well, I've seen this go one of two ways. Sometimes it's charming and clever, like this individual, like this tennis player who's, you know, you know, nonchalantly putting pop culture references, something very specific in their speeches. But I've also seen like weathermen do a whole weather report using like old school hip hop lyrics. And there's nothing more cringeworthy. Like this is the worst. There's nothing more nerdy than meteorology. I'm sorry. Let's just face it. It's the dorkiest profession. Because here's the thing about meteorologists. Okay. Meteorologists are under the impression they are very cool. It's one thing being like a lab scientist or, or, or something or like, you know, a mathematician, something that's like, okay, it's a little geeky. That's okay. I kind of own it. I wear a lab coat to work, everyone. You know, not the, not the, the most hip profession ever. Meteorologists think they are just hilarious. They're like, your job is to tell me what the weather is going to be like this week. Like, I have an app on my phone that has made your job obsolete at this point. Like, there's no need for this job to exist. I don't need to turn on TV at 1130 at night to see what the weather's going to be tomorrow. I literally, every electronic device, you can buy a watch that will tell you that these days, right? <laughs> like, there's no reason for the profession to exist. So, for some reason, they're like, well, the other part of my job is making funny dance videos for Instagram now. It's like, it's like when <laughs> the, the meteorologists are just, you know, holding on to any type of thing they can do to be uh, you know irrelevant anymore and this is the wrong way it's charming when someone like an athlete does it it's annoying when you see it filter down into the world of you know local news and stuff like that though i i would also like to issue a challenge to longtime relevant listeners that there's a place for you in this story in that if you can work into if you're you know recording a sermon if your sermon's being recorded you can send us a recording of it and you just slip in Listener of the week. Uh, yeah, relevant reference, anything without yes. without giving us without without winking into the camera. We just no. want to hear it. So send us your sermon, your announcements. Send us your podcast that's just somewhere, and just tell us. You know, at the fifteen minute mark, there may be something for you to hear. Right. I would be very impressed. And the more absurd and inappropriate, the more likely it will be read. On, <laughs> it will be more likely we'll actually listen. To the oh, yeah. I think it'd be very difficult oh, yeah. to to do this off the cut. Like I'm thinking about how. Like I think. You could start out a little bit sly, but the seaweed is always greener. That is not that is not a saying. No, that's she not walked a common, in with that. Yeah, that that's the one that gave up the game. And being able, it's one thing if you're a meteorologist and you have it written out. You got the teleprompter there, so you can type it all out ahead of time. Then you have to deliver. You have to go straight through yeah. just without being interrupted. Yeah. But she and other people, and like I see this happen in press junkets sometimes. Uh, they have to just react. Like they have to find a way to sneak it into an answer. And I feel like doing that off the cuff. 
impromptu would be very difficult. And I don't think I would do a good job at it. You know what I've always wanted to try? Like if I was being interviewed all the time is to yeah. throw in old sayings that I just made up that makes no sense. And that just to see how many people just go along with it. Like, oh, that must be a thing people say. And I just, you know, you know, like, oh, oh, so, sure. so, you know, what, you know, how come you decided to go this direction in the book you're writing? Well, here's the thing, you know, a bullfrog only croaks twice on Sunday. And so, like, listen, a cowboy spur doesn't fit on the left foot twice in a week. So, like, what my approach was, like, just how many things can you just say that make no sense that no one has ever said, Do you it. know, like, well, I, you know, at that point, the jet ski just needed an oil change. So I decided to make a new direction for my life, you know, like, just say weird stuff and just see if anybody calls you out on it. Yeah. See if anybody said, I'm not aware of that one. Or they think you mean something different because there's no meaning for it. So they take the conversation in a different direction than you were expecting. Uh, you said, you know what? I had to. When, sometimes you just have to let the cat out the back door. And they're like, oh, so you really went for it? And you're like, no, that means I didn't go. That means obviously I said no to the opportunity. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, you know what happens when you eat an undercooked pig? You don't get the bacon right. So oh, the, bacon, the bacon doesn't have the sizzle. So, yeah. you know, that's why I kind of told him, you know, like. Yeah, but I, 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 can we issue that for a challenge to you? If you could just make up absurd old saying and throw it in, like to a conversation that you, you can let us hear somehow. Maybe but we'll you know what? It. It's better if it kind of makes sense. Like you just said, uh, one that kind of makes sense. You know, like it's kind of like eating undercook. You know, your bacon doesn't have the sizzle. I mean, that kind of <laughs> makes sense if you're trying to make a point. <laughs> That's the thing. Making up absurd non sequiturs, fine. Make yeah. absurd non sequiturs that actually. Could become a saying, a real thing. You know, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. Even better, it would be to try to do the thing where you start a saying and you expect the other person to fill in the last right. part of it. <laughs> like you see that happen in the <laughs> yeah, movies yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, you just yeah. don't. So you say, well, you know what they say? If you see a dog in a 10 gallon hat, the canoe's, yeah. prob the canoe's probably got a leak. So anyway, yeah. what I wanted to <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, as we all know, weeds only grow on the left side of the shed when... When the, when the nacho cheese tornado lands in Kansas. There we go. That'll do. Well, that'll play. That'll play. Anyhow, it was a pleasure. It was, I, it was, that's my slice. It was a pleasure to share this whole new world with you. Oh my goodness. Oh, you got it. You got it. They barely noticed. They barely noticed. Not you can't that even, hard. You can't we hear. all noticed. All right. That'll do for slices. There you go. Stay tuned. Up next, Rachel Cruz joins us. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Relevant Podcast. Hey, while you're on your podcast apps, we got some other options for you. Check out our newest podcast, Relevant Daily, which is every weekday. It's about 10 minutes keeping you in touch with what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. That podcast is growing fast, and we love doing it. We think you should check it out. Also, season two of my long-form conversation podcast, Unedited with Cameron Strang, is about to come back. We have several notable ones in the hopper and i'm excited for season two so go check that out uh relevant daily and unedited uh wherever you get your podcasts
You're listening to Phil Wickham and Chris Kalala. Song is You Can't Be Stopped. Teaming up like a power duo. They can't be stopped. Look at that. Well, Jordan and Pippin action there. <laughs> Wait, who's Jordan? Who's Pippin? Tonto and the Lone Ranger. I mean, it's well, it's up to them to decide that. Batman no, that's and Robin. Name. I will let the listener side, but I will say this. Phil Wickham actually kind of looks like a young Batman. So I'll let them decide. Yeah, I think Phil's Batman. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean anything bad by that. And, and I think Robin gets kind of a bad rap, but I do think Phil Wickham is the Batman in this one. Although Chris Kalala's solo album from like two or three years ago is still maybe one of the best kind of Jesus focused albums yeah. I've ever heard in my life. Just musically, lyrically, everything yeah, about it. It's incredible. And so. Robin did good solo work too. So the analogy pulls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right. when you guys are talking right. real quick, when we're talking about like superhero duos, can I ask one quick question I was thinking about the other day? That's really kind of bothered me. Do you guys mind? I know we got a big pod to do today sure. and we got a really good segment coming, but I was thinking about Avengers. I'm not, I've only seen a handful, but I do know that one of them is Hawkeye and he just has a bow and arrow. But I also know that Tony Stark has like a thousand Iron Man suits because they just fly out of nowhere. You think at any point Hawkeye's like, hey man, listen, I, I this is a little awkward. I don't know how to say this, but as I'm sure you've noticed, all I have is a bow and arrow. That's literally it. Like, (laughs) we're saving the universe here. And here's just a little weird is like, you got like a thousand suits, man. And I got a bow and arrow. Like, I kind of feel like you understand where this is going, don't you? I just, it bothers me a little. It bothers me. Tony knows he's out there fighting robots to saving the entire world with a bow and arrow. And Tony Stark literally has an infant supply of uh, suits. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry, Phil and Chris. I don't know who both of you guys are in that scenario, but it's something I had to get off my chest personally. I think we, I think we're pretty clear. (laughs) <laughs> who's who in that situation all right yeah i think we're- uh like we mentioned issue 100 of relevant is out now you can uh view it at relevantmagazine.com and part of it was we did really fascinating conversations looking back at kind of the the moments and trends that have shaped these first hundred issues in the last 16 years and kind of pivoting also to where we're going well one of the sections you know relevant covers faith, life, culture, and justice. Well, in the life section, we talk about everything from money. Obviously, there was an economic collapse in the last, you know, in the last decade um, to, you know, careers and relationships and other things. And one of the experts that joined us for that conversation was none other than Rachel Cruz. Rachel Cruz is a best-selling author, speaker, and personal finance expert. She's also the daughter of famed financial advice guru, Dave Ramsey. I wonder how much she uh, likes that. I, I before I included that in her bio, I saw that it was on her bio on her website, and she it was like in parentheses. She was kind of self aware about it. She was like, "Yeah, that makes growing up awkward sometimes." So I was like, "Okay, well, we'll conclude it. If if she can make a joke, then I think we can too." I do. I do think it's funny that Annie F. Downs uh, is friends with Rachel, and they had like a girls' trip to uh, Las Vegas last year, and I jokingly <laughs> asked Annie F. Downs, "Well, I mean, did Rachel bring envelopes?" Yeah. And the answer was unequivocally yes. She, yeah. So <laughs> smart. Uh, that's smart. R- smart. It's smart. She it had her smart. limits. I don't, I don't, She's I don't like, her for it. She had saved up a certain amount of money that she could play with. And then it, she it, stayed within that lane. And that's smart financial living. And can I just say this too? I'm reasonably familiar with Dave Ramsey. I've met Rachel a, a couple of times over the years and I am familiar with her material. And I'm just going out and say it. I'm not trying to create a rivalry. I'm not trying to do for them what we did for Phil Wickham and Chris Kulala. But I really relate to Rachel a lot better than, than Dave. Rachel, Rachel is very good at what she does. 
Well, Rachel hosts the Rachel Cruz Show, where she helps her audience understand the roots of financial issues. And she's also a frequent guest on outlets like CNN, The Today Show, and even Good Morning America, where she appeared earlier this week. Well, like I mentioned, we spoke to Rachel for our 100th issue of Relevant as part of our Life Roundtable of Experts. And Tyler, you're the one who had the conversation with her. Tell us about it. Yeah, it was. I, I like talking to I like talking to anybody who knows stuff about money because I know so little about it that it's just any really any chance to interview somebody who has any sort of financial expertise for this magazine is also just kind of a chance for me to personally get my own finances in order, which are otherwise a uh, 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 ongoing disaster. Um, but a lot of people don't know this, but Tyler had an agreement when he started working here that he can only be paid in gold shekels. And he just, he, he <laughs> I don't actually, I don't he actually it. has a, an overflowing pirate chest in his house and that's his bank account. You'll yeah. rue the day. You'll all rue the day when gold shekels finally come back and you're all stuck with your worthless paper money while I'm sitting here with solid gold, solid God's money, <laughs> a, a literal pirate's chest. Yeah. But the first thing I want to talk about was, of course, I think sort of for a lot of us, the defining financial story of our lives is the recession and what the recession did. And a lot of the issues that millennials face financially kind of stem from the era that a lot of us were raised in, which was after the stock market crashed. So I wanted her thoughts on how the recession has shaped this generation. And she had a take that I really, I don't think I'd heard anywhere before, but I thought was super interesting. Here's what she said. The recession, honestly, I would have thought would have made a bigger impact on people's outlook for our generation, but it really hasn't because we've seen the level, the debt levels continue to grow. Student loan debt has continued to rise. Credit card debt has continued to rise. And so my hope was that when it all went down, that our generation would look at our parents and have a little bit of a hesitation of mm. thinking, oh, okay, mm, yeah. something bad could happen. But factually, we're just not seeing that because debt levels continue to rise. And so the effect of that, though, is that our generation, we're getting people are saying they're getting married later. They're buying homes later. They're putting off a lot of life milestones because of their financial situation. And that is immediately tied towards debt, especially student loan debt. That, that is really interesting. I feel like it's something that it, it almost seems like kind of counterintuitive because I feel like mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like, and that's what, that, that was one of the interesting things about all of these roundtables, uh, whether it was in the God, Justice, or, or uh, uh, Life, or, or Culture sections too, um, that, you know, we really, we try to be really intentional asking questions about how we got to where we were as, lo- as well as being forward projecting. But that observation that the recession may have caused a lot of anxiety in our generation or the younger generation that was coming up and, and, and graduating college, you know, directly following the recession, but it didn't make any dramatic changes to people's spending and debt habits. I mean, that's scary, but also kind of fascinating too. Yeah. I I think it's an interesting observation in terms of should the recession have had a bigger effect on the way that we spend, the way we save and the way we, we utilize our credit cards and the way we navigate our own debt. I think it probably, you could make that case. And I think a lot of us also just didn't grow up with a lot of really great examples of, of how to do that because a lot of us weren't taught that because we didn't have a lot of financial responsibility modeled to us growing up, which is obviously yeah, not, something not, not that everyone like, gr- grew up with Dave Ramsey stuff yeah, and envelopes yeah. full of shekels for our lunch money. So I, yeah. <laughs> I cut out all the talk about her excellent, her excellent role model growing up because that wouldn't be relatable to most of us. Um, <laughs> but one thing I did want to know kind of along those same lines is I think there is a tension that a lot of, especially a lot of us Christians feel about nice stuff. 
Um, is it moral to have nice stuff? Is it responsible for people, especially at a time where there's a lot of economic insecurity, to splurge for things that we that we don't need, but things that we want that might be seen as, as frivolous or uh, or exorbitant? And uh, here's what she had to say about that. Yeah, I always take the approach, it's okay to have nice stuff. Just don't let your nice stuff have you. And your stuff can have you if you go into debt for it. Scripture's clear that the borrower is slaves to the lender. And it can have you if your identity, your happiness, your joy, your contentment, who you think um, you are is wrapped up in that thing. And so I think that there is a place that if you save up and pay for something and you buy it with the motivation knowing this is not going to bring me eternal joy and happiness. I'm, it's just a fun thing to get and I can do it because I've saved up the money and my heart is in the right spot. Then I think there's definitely times that you can go and get, um, yeah, buy some fun things. But overall, um, you have to make sure those two things are in check financially, that you're in a good spot and that you're not dependent upon this thing or the newness of buying this thing to, you know, fund your happiness. Tyler, that's one thing I have appreciated about her perspective. Again, like she has her, her show and her, her approach to these topics. And what I, I really appreciate she kind of brought to the roundtable is like not just the practical element there, but also the deeper root. Like, look, if you're trying to fill a hole with, with you know, consumer goods, like things that you purchase, it's got, not only will it come up empty, not only are there spiritual repercussions, but there's also like really practical ones. Like eventually if you, that's your mindset, you know, you, you're never going to be able to have enough to fill the hole. And so you're going to end up, you know, suffering financially for it, linking the, the spiritual issue there with the practical one, you know, I, I think it's really wise. She didn't mention that uh, the other the other potential ramification is you'll end up on a social media account shaming you for your, for your purchase. <laughs> yeah, we never got to that question, Cameron. <laughs> hey, Rachel, what kind of shoes are you wearing right now? <laughs> right now. Don't you lie. <laughs> They're off whites, aren't they? Yeah. But I think that's I think what you said, Jesse, is is true. I think it's easy for people to focus on either one or the other, right? They either focus purely on the financial part of it, like can you afford X thing, X vacation, shoe, car, or they yeah. focus purely on the spiritual side of it. Like, are you trying to do something? Are you trying to fill a, a, a void in your heart? A very subjective question about whether you're just trying to to impress yourself or make yourself happy with fine, with uh, consumer goods. Uh, but trying to bring those two things together is something that she's done really, really well. It's something she talks about a lot. And I appreciate that part of the uh, the conversation that she brings to it as well. And, and, and how that also, I, you know, I really want people to like get the issue and check out this roundtable because what's interesting is like her thoughts there. You can apply that to several topics that we talked about in the life roundtable. So like relationships, so, uh, career, you know, like if your motivation for moving up in your career is for some, you know, deeper sense of like, per, uh, you know, purpose and fulfillment and identity that really, you know, shouldn't be misplaced. That should be something that God gives to you. Or same thing with a relationship. If, if a relationship becomes kind of weirdly codependent and your identity is no longer in your faith, but in a relationship, there's a problem. That's why I think what she said there is so profound, because it really goes into all the areas that we discussed in that roundtable. And that's kind of where the conversation went too, actually, because I, I think career 
uh, especially moving forward for our generation and for even the next generation now is going to become more of a what is what is the future of career look like and particularly entrepreneurialism because everybody knows we're the we're the entrepreneurial generation right and i was curious about what she thought particularly in light of how much that is becoming more and more of a thing for people our age uh, starting their own businesses being entrepreneurs where does she see that going and how does she see it as being different than where we came from uh, here's what she said about that I think that's one thing that I appreciate about our generation is we really do focus on like what what's your why with with, with what you work like are you in a job that you have passion for are you in a job that you love um, we really hold value to that and again the extreme side of that is not good where millennials are walking around without jobs because they haven't found their quote unquote dream job you know you there is a reality you got to work and make money to live um, but I think we do value our. Um, our talents and our passions in the workplace more than past generations. Yeah. I, I think that's something we've observed a lot of over the years, you know, sure. you know, it just from the, from the content side, it, it producing stuff that people want to read a lot of, you know, I think there's been a lot of like past generations where it's like, look, at five o'clock work's done. And that's when real life kind of starts, you know, I'm not saying for everyone, but I, but I do feel like there has been a shift with our generation where they, they want, yeah, their passions to be a part of, their job like they they don't want this like necessarily this like separation in a lot of ways you know they, they if if they if they can get it they want it to be part of that that you know passion and calling and, and like right. she alluded to that's obviously that's easy to to overcorrect on that right like to work so hard for to find that job that you're passionate about that uh that you never really get land or feel safe or comfortable in a career at all because you're concerned there's something else out there kind of like scrolling through netflix where you never start playing something because there might be something else down the road you're looking for that can be a a problem um so it's about learning how to be responsible with your passions uh tons of people in the in this round table had a lot of really good thoughts about how to bring your passions to your life to your day-to-day life in a responsible and and fulfilling way um those are all in the on the issue along with rachel's thoughts i was really glad to be able to talk to her about this and glad to talk to everybody else we talked to as well it was a great conversation yeah check her out uh the rachel cruz show and also in the hundredth issue of relevant you can view it right now at relevantmagazine.com and hey if you're so inclined support the cause and subscribe okay stay tuned up next Ask the cast. And I remember you told me You're listening to Mark Ronson featuring Camilla Cabello. The song is Find You Again. Okay, it's time for Ask the Cast. We've done this enough now. I think we should officially commission Jingle Fire. Our illustrious brother to make a jingle <laughs> for Ask the Cast. So maybe on the on the next edition. All right. So we went online, we asked you guys, or we scoured Twitter. Uh, we looked for the questions you guys sent us. Uh, you tweet us at Relevant Podcast, questions for the cast, and I will lob some of them now. Uh, David asked, guys, uh, David asked, my wife recently gave birth to twins. Now, she's not a fan of me performing experiments, but it seems like a perfect opportunity to raise them in the same environment, but with subtle differences and observe the results. (laughs) So his question is, what subtle experiments can I get away with and how? 
Well, I mean, I think the obvious one we're all thinking is one of them should be raised and only be spoken to with a British accent. I, I'm kind of curious to see if one comes out a little bit more British. But I mean, the opportunities here are really endless. Yeah. I <laughs> I like how he prefaced it, like as if this is a conversation that he and his wife had had, like ex- performing experiments on their children because she's not a fan. So I feel like it also has to be somewhat subtle. Eddie, what what are you thinking would be a good advice for David? <laughs> I, I have I have an I have an idea in the meantime. They have to be I subtle. Think, now they have to be subtle. It can't be like obvious, like yeah. hey, we're going to push you towards sports and you towards school, mm-hmm. or we're going to give you twice the food portions of the other one. You can't do that. It has to be subtle that he okay. can get away with it and the wife doesn't notice. Okay. This is going to be difficult, but I think I think you could pull yeah. it off. Yeah. I, I think you could do sort of a reverse this this new yesterday movie in which a man wakes up in a world that never knew who the Beatles were. I think you could do sort of a reverse subtle version of this in which one child is aware of the Beatles and the other one, you keep you keep all Beatles music influence and paraphernalia away from him and see how true that movie actually ended up being to one child's experience. Yeah. Or how about how about this? Uh, this one isn't, well, it could be subtle. I mean, they make pretty subtle eye patches these days. One son I mean, or one of the twins gets a, I guess, an eye patch on their right eye, the other one on the left. And the theory oh, yeah. that I'm working yeah. with here is that the other eye will go very, very strong, right? To compensate for the eye that is under the eye patch. In a few years, you may have a set of twins that have two eyes that have supervision. I don't, I, I think the, the science there would back me up because, Eddie, you know what they say. If the toilet's still running at midnight, you got to get out of the house because it's <laughs> you got a whole flood. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, the, 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 then the chicken coop is the only safe place. That's the end of the saying. <laughs> right, right. I'm sorry. Obviously. You butchered it. Though. Obviously. I would, I would love, love, love for you to gently tell one of the twins that they were actually born a year before the other one and just never let up on that and see how it works. Like how long does it take them to realize they're the exact same size and they look exactly the same and are also very scary because they're identical. <laughs> they also probably have supernatural powers when will they recognize them? i'm just gonna say though friend about having twins i i don't have twins but you just watch your back um having two of two of a kind that's a very strange phenomenon and i i'm not gonna plan any things in your head but i'm gonna say uh you know you know the old saying jesse if you have twins in the house then the monkey's already caught the coconut. We, as we know, as, as we know. Um, Alexander, Alexander asks, he said, uh, it, okay, it's pastor's edition of Survivor on CBS. Which pastors would you have on each team? Bonus, who wins it all? Oh, man. Well, oh, I like, still... Oh, go, okay, go. go ahead, Eddie. Go no, ahead, please, Eddie. please, please, please. Because I've got okay, the let's, uh, real, real quick, let's do just uh, like a fantasy draft right now. Like a round? Uh, like, like a round? Yeah. yeah, two teams. Jesse, you're picking for your team. Then Eddie, you're picking for your team. Jesse, you have first pick. Pastor, Survivor, five okay. names. Okay. Uh, I Well, number one, I don't know if anyone's seen the shape Carl Lentz is in. I got to go with him. The guy's yeah. a workout machine. Yeah. I feel like athletically, he's got a big advantage there. Yeah. All right. 
Now, he's number hey. one off my board. Eddie, your your first pick. Number one, uh, Rob Bell, but current Rob Bell, not twenty years ago, Rob Bell. I want. Well, he's I not want a pastor li- now, though. He's he not would, a vocational pastor. Yeah, but he would say he is, and I'm he's tell- still ordained. I'm, he's still yeah. ordained, and I'm telling okay. you, every other pastor on the island just completely dissolves at that point. They just implode <laughs> with anger. Rob Bell wins. They don't just leave the show. Okay. They don't want to be associated with him, so they just leave the show entirely. Like we can't be, okay. we can't be all Jesse, show with Rob Bell. Jesse, yeah. pick number two. Okay. Uh, uh, well, this is someone not not a pastor, but uh, uh, you know someone who speaks at a church regularly. Uh, so I'm going to let it count. Uh, delivering incredible sermons, our very own Annie F. Downs. Annie F. Downs. And he's so no likable. Sure. I can't see anyone yeah. ever voting uh, Annie, uh, you know, against Annie for anything. She's yeah, too likable. She's too likable. All right, you Eddie, your uh, your second pick. Yeah, 100. percent Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil, uh, Quest Church, Seattle. You know, she's been on the show. She's incredible. Um, I have never, ever, when I locked eyes with her the first time, I realized she is 9,000 times smarter than me and is just playing on my level to be kind. If I'm going to have anybody in a mental street fight with a bunch of other pastors on an island, I take her all day long. Wow. Interesting. Okay. uh, Jesse, your third pick. Okay. So right now I got Carl. I got Annie. I'm coming out. So you've got uh, athletic and friendly. I've got athletic and friendly. I need someone who I feel like is cunning. really, yeah, it, it has has a bit of has a bit of cunning, uh, has has some street smart, has you know, yeah, oh, and also th- the the prize the money. Thing, the other thing about Carl is he's super competitive, so he's that alpha male competitive. So you got yeah. competitive. But will, he, but will he play dirty? I don't know if Jesse has anybody willing to do get their hands yeah, so dirty. Right. He needs, needs to cunning. Be done. He needs cunning. Yeah, yeah, I do need cunning. See, I was gonna go. John Gray here because, uh, you know, this is a guy, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, he's he's very fashionable. He's yeah, he's the one that everyone likes to be around. I feel like yeah. he would be hanging on to the end. He's he's got his he's got his own show. He's he buys Lambos like he's the guy that everyone kind of wants to hang around. I, I, I'd like I the dynamic Annie. between Annie, John and Carl. OK. All right. All right, Eddie. And my final choice, and I am also going with pure athleticism, uh, and it is because I've met this person, uh, and that's Bishop D.D. Jakes. Here's why. Um, I I shook his hand one time, and he said, hello, son. And both the sound of his voice and the size of his hand made me feel as though I was two, and that I was either terrified or this was my actual dad. Um, and so I feel like in whatever physical competition, he just shows up. Everybody else walks away. At this point, we've got we've got the ringer and Rob Bell, who's just going to dissolve them. We've got massive intellect with Dr. Brenda. And then you have Bishop Jakes, who just you don't they won't even be an obstacle course. He'll show up. They'll be done. I win. OK, I got one more. And maybe he should just be the host or just do the tribal council to replace Jeff, because, you know, Jeff has a catchphrase, right? You know, the tribe has spoken and he puts out the torch. John Piper will obviously be in charge of tribal council. Farewell, Rob Bell. And just puts out the torch and just sends him off. Like it's too good of a catchphrase for him not to be used there. Come on, guys. Come on. Obviously, NT right. Clearly, he's the fourth on the team. But, you know, you got to have have, have one British guy on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we got a British accent. And we call him Tom. Yeah. Uh, This one was this one wasn't a uh, ask the cast, but as a little feedback on on Friday's episode where we learned the groundbreaking information that from ages five to 18, our very own Tyler Huckabee slept on a waterbed. He had his own waterbed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ross said my Tyler Huckabee childhood waterbed theory is a theory is that his dad bought it to surprise his mom. She wasn't into it. The waterbed emporium 
obviously has a firm no return policy. So it went to the youngest kid. Therefore, Tyler grew up with a waterbed. I like it's it. The, it makes the, sense. It's the, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you this. They're definitely not taking them back. I, no. Well, he, the other theory is they were counterfeit waterbeds. And they're like, well, this isn't safe for an adult to sleep on. Let's just give it to Tyler. See how he bears. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's an Amazon you know, counterfeit deal where it's like, well, yeah, I feel like Tyler's got a better. He's young and spry. He, he's got a better sense of you know survival in case he wakes up and he's literally trapped underwater. We'll see how he does. Because you know what they say, Tyler. Uh, uh, the church rell uh, rings three times on Sunday, only if a girl's in the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> only right. if we, we realize the butter's gone bad. So anyway, right. anyway, yeah, clearly, uh, anyway. there's also a bunch of uh, sports questions. It's a big, it's a, a lot's going on in NBA free agency. There's a lot of people asking us about that, but then I'll end it with this last question. Uh, Jorge says it's our one year wedding anniversary next month. Uh, we are doing the Dave Ramsey debt-free living, so we can't spend too much money, but what should we do to celebrate? Hmm. Very apropos with Rachel. I would say go and, yeah, yeah, go yeah. and visit your, go and visit your pastor immediately. Um, there is, <laughs> there are some things happening between the two of you that we can't talk about on the air, but you need to talk to someone immediately. Oh my goodness. <laughs> call your pastor. Yeah. Well, studies show you should probably call up your pastor right now. So yeah. to celebrate, they book an appointment with their pastor. Airing of grievances. Airing of grievances. What could be more? Yeah. It costs nothing. It costs nothing to air grievances. That's the, that's the correct thing. Let's see how strong this marriage really is. You know, I would, I would get a tarp, an old tarp that you have laying around and see if you can make a free (laughs) slip inside and then just live with the consequences. Make a free slip inside, have a lot of fun for the afternoon, box it up and sell it on Amazon as a copy of the purpose driven life. It's easy. (laughs) You're trying to make a little money. Just cut a bunch of tarp and sell them as Christian bestsellers. People are making a fortune out there doing that kind of stuff. You know, it's years for the taking. And congratulations, by the way. One happy year. one year. year. Yeah. Happy, happy anniversary. Many happy thanks one year. To, uh, uh, many thanks, everyone, for sending in questions, uh, tweeting us questions. If you want to send your Ask the Cast question for next Tuesday's episode, you can hit us up at Relevant Podcast on Twitter. Well, many thanks to Quip for making the episode possible. Remember, Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to get quip.com slash relevant right now you get your first refill pack for free with a quip electric toothbrush uh that's g-e-t-q-u-i-p.com slash relevant thanks also to rachel cruz for joining us make sure to read more of the conversation that she was part of in the hundredth issue of relevant you can view it right now at relevantmagazine.com the hundredth issue of relevance a big deal go check it out also you can follow rachel on twitter at Rachel Cruz, C-R-U-Z-E. And follow her, you know, you can probably catch her on Good Morning America as well. Okay, well, on that note, we will wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Eddie Koffoltz. I'm Tyler Huckabee. We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe must have taken all night Try to restore the peace and control your urge.
Well, here's the thing. You know, a bullfrog only croaks twice on Sunday. Relevant Podcast Network.